This Seattle Medium podcast is sponsored by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. The Rainier Valley Leadership Academy is still accepting uh, enrolling students for a few grades. And, you know, we're halfway into, uh, not halfway, we're partially into a school year, and some parents may be questioning the school that their child is attending, um, and others are saying that, you know, charter schools could be an excellent choice for their kids. We're going to talk about this issue is Bayon Coleman with the Rainier Valley Leadership Academy. Good morning, Bayon. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. That's good. Um, Bayon, uh, first of all, can you tell our listening audience a little bit about um, charter schools and more specifically uh, the Rainier Valley Leadership Academy um, and your guys' mission? Yes, yeah, so I would say generally um, the one thing that's important for folks is, is that they're at, it is a traditional, it's not a traditional public school. It is a, um, it is a public school and it is a choice school, meaning that anybody in Washington state can attend um, a charter public school. So it doesn't matter about school boundaries or whatever. Um, if you are interested in that school, then you have a right to attend that school. You just need to um, apply directly with that school because it is not a part of the traditional um, district schools, whether it be, you know, Seattle Public Schools or Kent Public Schools or whatever. So you just have to apply with that specific school. Um, as far as Rainier Valley Leadership Academy, um, we are one of the only black-led uh, um, and we are also the only, <coughs> excuse me, anti-racist public school uh, in Washington. And what that means is, is that we decolonize our curriculum, making sure that we're giving um, all perspectives um, of that rises within education to make sure that scholars can critically analyze that information um, and come up with their own assumptions and opinions in that space. Uh, we are a, um, a school that is focused on three pillars, which is uh, anti-racism leadership, and collaborative community um, and so what that means is is that we believe in cultivating the leadership of our scholars um, and not just our scholars also our families as well so um, we do things like parent organizing and make sure that they understand how to organize as a family whether it's something that is within the school um, community or whether it's something that is greater in our uh, greater community around taxes or different laws or different things that are affecting them so we do that work as well um, when we say collaborative community, what that really means to us is, is that we are um, making sure that we're not just doing things like opening the doors to say, hey, you know, we want folks to come in, but really understanding that our school is uh, deeply rooted within community and it is a part of the community and the school doesn't exist without the community. 
Um, and so we have elders that come in um, and literally just like roam the school and support in classrooms and, you know, help scholars um, or they'll help at the front desk or just whatever the case may be. Um, so we've got we've got a great uh, following of elders in our community that actually come into the school and pop up and just kind of support and are there. Um, and then we also intentionally invite folks into the school to make sure that they understand that uh, this is their school. So, Right. And, and uh, let's talk about some of the um, uh, differences or advantages as it relates to uh, Rainier Valley Leadership Academy. Uh, one of the things I know that um, you guys are very proud of, and number one is the um, community aspect that you talked about and just the connection um, with the community and the support of the community. But can you also talk about uh, the mentorship um, philosophy you guys have? Because I believe you guys have a mentor for pretty much every scholar in your school. That is correct. So uh, we believe in social-emotional learning. Um, again, we believe in a different type of social-emotional learning than what is traditionally set out in schools. Um, we, we're very, uh, social-emotional learning is very nuanced, and so we need to ensure that if um, we're going to do social-emotional learning that we really begin to learn about one another um, in our spaces, and scholars are doing the same thing. We never ask for children to do anything different than what we're asking for our adults to do. So all of our adult, adults in the building, including all the way up to our board, are all practicing the same social emotional learning um, that we're asking for scholars to actually practice. What that also means is, is that every single uh, scholar has a mentor um, and they go to their first period, they go to their second period, and then uh, during the middle of the day, they actually have a one hour mentor block. Um, and that is where they are doing what we call their badge work, which is kind of self-reflection on who they are, um, where they want to be in life, and kind of being able to have opportunities to be able to share out with their mentor group on who they are um, as well. We know from research that it is much more difficult to, um, to bully or be rude or disrespectful to a person when you actually know their background. Um, and so we really center that practice uh, within the school. In addition, the mentor is also setting goals with them. So we have um, a data sheet that uh, we use with one of our platforms, and it will kind of tell us like how scholars did the week previously. Um, and based off of that information, our mentors can then uh, communicate with the scholar during that mentor block and kind of check in to say like, what is your goal for next week? Um, like, let's look at your assignments. Like, what is an assignment that may be? you could have done better on. Um, and because we have mastery-based grading, scholars actually have an opportunity to redo an assignment um, so that they can actually have um, a higher credit on it. Um, and that's really about uh, mastering the standards and not just being punitive and saying like, oh, okay, you didn't get this, like move on, we'll see if you get the next one kind of deal. Um, and then in addition to that, they're also working on um, their high school and beyond plans, but we also take that to another level. It's, really about like what are their interests, um, what do they want to do when they um, grow older, and maybe maybe they are still discovering what they want to do, or maybe they haven't discovered or, um, you know, innovated on that thing that they are going to do in the future. Like that's also something else that we have conversations with them about is entrepreneurship and innovation as well. Um, they don't have to necessarily just go into a standard field um, that has already exists. They may be creating a whole entire new field based off of, you know, their own uh, brilliance being cultivated in those spaces with their mentor. 
so that's uh, what mentor block looks like. It's the social emotional learning. It's the planning for the future. It's um, setting goals. Um, and it's really reflection on who they are and who they want to be in life. Um, and then that mentor supporting with what that looks like for them. Um, and then wrapped in with the academics about like, how are you progressing currently? And what can we do to support you to be able to um, continue to be cultivated in this experience? Right. And, um, can you also talk a little bit about the, the faculty and the staff, um, especially from a perspective of uh, their, you know, just how highly qualified and effective they are, but also when you talk about diversity. And we also, you know, we talk about the need for students to see people um, that look like them or reflect them or reflect their community and the culture around them. Can you kind of talk about how you guys are really folding that diversity in through all aspects? Absolutely. So um, one I would say on our leadership team, and when I say our leadership team, that is like our principal and our deans um, and our admins in that space, um, 100% of our leadership team is global majority. Um, so they are either uh, black specifically or they are global majority. And I want to say there's about 75% of the team is um is black African-American with the rest of them being global majority individuals um, who also understand the experience that our scholars are going through. Um, in addition to that, for our teaching staff, our teaching staff is also pretty diverse. Um, there is over 60% global majority educators um, on our teaching staff. Um, and that number may even be a little bit higher as we've continued to um, hire folks or whatever. However, I will say that all of the teaching staff, whether they are global majority or whether they are white, really have a um, an abolitionist spirit in them. And I think that that's really important um, for folks to understand is that like, as we go through a really uh, stringent like recruiting process for our educators in our building to make sure that they really understand what anti-racism is and to make sure that they're actually going to live that out. Um, my child is one of the kids in the school as well. He attends. And um, so it's really important that we have adults that are going to um, to really protect and honor who our scholars are in that building. Um, and I wholeheartedly believe that every single educator that we have in that space is the right educator to be in front of just not just my child, but to be in front of our children, uh, our children of the community as well. And so that is um, paramount for us. Um, all of our educators are actually um, qualified to actually be there. Um, one of our ELA teachers, uh, she's been teaching for <laughs> for over, I want to say like 15, close to 20 years. Um, she's magnificent and the scholars love her and they respect her um, and she's having tough conversations with them you know, um, in those spaces and really pushing them to grow. Um, our Spanish teacher is one of the Spanish teacher who, who he also teaches Spanish to the Sounders and whatnot. Like he has a love and admiration for um, our scholars and really holds that place, um, you know, and, you know, he looks like our scholars and he speaks Spanish and he's teaching them the love of, you know, wanting to speak, speak Spanish and, you know, all of these different things. And so we have a lot of educators in the building um, that put our scholars first. Um, and I would right. say every single one of them is actually doing that. And that's that's not something that we see. And, and what's also beautiful is that they're collaborating with families, right? Like right. they're collaborating with families. They're having conversations with families. They're reaching out to families every single 
you know, week, they're sending them messages about positive behaviors. Um, and I think that that is something that is oftentimes lost. Like a lot of times folks want to call when something is going wrong. Um, and our educators will send notes home and talk to families when something is going right and something is going really, really well, as, um, you know, in those spaces. And so um, I really commend our leadership team and our our educators in this space for what they are doing um, and how they are doing it, because it is not easy work um, by any means, um, but they are definitely collaborating with families and scholars to make it happen. Right. And beyond, um, I know you guys are uh, still enrolling or currently able to enroll um, students into um, two grades, right, which I think are pivotal um, grades, uh, and that's sixth and ninth grade. Um, can you talk about um, that enrollment process and what that looks like and any deadlines that um, some people in our listening audience might need to be aware of? Yeah. So um, we we enroll up to the first 45 days from the date that school starts. Um, and so there's a little bit of time still for sixth and ninth graders to enroll. Um, if folks are interested in the school, um, regardless of it, even if it is gets past that first 45 days of the school year, we would still um, ask that folks go ahead and go to www.myrvla.org um, and hit the apply button for this school year. What that will do is it will put them on a waiting list, regardless of what grade level they're in. We would also just say, like, if you're interested in the school and this is the school that you want to attend and this is a part of the community that you and your family want to be a part of, just go ahead and hit that apply button on our website um, and it will put you into the loop. It'll put you on the wait list for the next scholar so that if someone decides they need to move away or something like that or if anything happens or if space becomes available, then we can then move that scholar into that space. Um, our our dean of recruitment, um, Mr. Lenny, kids affectionately call him Uncle Lenny. He and his one someone from his team will then call to check in to say, "Hey, we, you know, this is the process. This is where you're at in the process, um, et cetera." We do, like I said, we do have spots available in sixth and ninth grade, um, and the schedule that we use is different. So that's why we only enroll up to the 45 days. Um, we use more of what's considered a college level um, type of schedule where it's like you have three or four classes uh, each semester um, and then the next semester you have your other three or four classes and that's really important because we know that um, if I asked for any adult to go into a classroom and switch topics every single hour and be learning six different subjects and then I'm asking for you to master those things that's not going to happen right we don't do that at the college level we don't do that in the workspace um, but yet we ask for our children to do things that uh, we know that our adults cannot accomplish. And so we set them up for failure a lot of times in those different spaces. So that's why we, we enroll differently. Um, I would also say a couple right. of the other benefits of being at RVLA is, is that we all have um, what's called WAGAP, meaning that if our scholars um, graduate from 12th grade with a 3.0 or above, and have all of their 24 credits, which they will have, um, then what we do is is uh, they then automatically have entry into one of our local Washington State colleges. And I believe that is uh, University of Washington, Bothell, University of Washington, Tacoma, 
um, Central, um, and there's a few other uh, colleges that are kind of riddled in there that also um, will give automatic acceptance, um, and that is one of our partners and one of the things that we do. And then all, all right. our scholars also qualify for Seattle's Promise. So. All right. Well, there's a lot of options that you guys have available. Uh, so you have a wonderful curriculum for people to uh, get more information. They can go to myrvla.org. Bayana, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show and take, bringing this information to our community.